People say we worship the sun. We don't worship the sun. I think they have us confused with Californians. <laughs> I mean, look at me. Do I have a tan? <laughs> no, the sun is a symbol. It's our focus point. We use it to facilitate our meditation. We are scientists, you and I. That's right. Scientists. Someone comes up to you and asks you who you are, you tell them. Stand right up to them and you tell them, I am a scientist. And this is my laboratory. This is where we conduct our experiments. And this is where we make our discoveries. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode, a Forever Night episode. Forever Night Season 2, Episode 8, Faithful Followers. Mmm. Mmm. It's a good one. I like this one. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot to say on this one. Yeah, I think we are. But before we begin, first, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Again, a reminder, after June, the Forever Night episodes will have a new title and be in their own stream. So if you haven't seen it updating lately and you're wondering where it is, and it's July, go look for Come In 81 Kilo. A Forever Night podcast. Yes. Also, last time, we neglected to differentiate between the speed of a laden and unladen vampire mm, that's a good point which could explain why he was able to fly with the psychic in dying to know you and we didn't get the wind in the hair because he could not be able to travel as fast when carrying something that's a good point also if he is capable of propelling himself at will mm-hmm. is there a limitation on what substrate he is capable of propelling himself through because he may not be able to fly through the air over the Atlantic Ocean, but it is possible he could travel underwater. Underwater. Uh, yeah, I think it's just manipulating gravity. So, so he could pull an Aquaman and just, <laughs> <laughs> and he just has to go down deep enough to be in the below the sunlight, the dark zone. Yep. The midnight zone. He could probably handle the twilight zone. The like. Yeah. Where there's still light, but it's not completely devoid of sunlight. Because he can handle like indirect sunlight. He can be in a room with open window. Yeah, that's a good point. So he should be able to to handle the twilight. He just can't be like above a certain level under the water. So I just want to put that out there. It He could not fly across, but it's possible for him to swim. Well, is it still swimming or is it... Like submarining, so whooshing, <laughs> not just sub whooshing, sub whooshing. <laughs> right, I just had to get that off my chest. All right, so okay. back to faithful followers. 
which is Nick versus the cult. Nick in the cult, Nick versus the cult. I don't know. We're left up in the air for a little while about whether the, the or not the one he where Natalie tries to join a cult. Yes. I think they do a really good job of creating a cult that I believe Nick would join. Yes. Yeah. That it is extremely plausible. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. They're saying a lot of his buzzwords. He absolutely would go for this. And if there is a personality type that is more prone to joining cults, the type of person that can be seduced in a night and then fucked with for 800 years by the same guy in the same <laughs> way <laughs> is yes, probably that, is that personality type. That's probably why Nick was selected by LaCroix yeah. so many years ago. He's like, God damn, I'm going to have some fun with that dude. He's like, if we can get him in one night, you know, it was probably a bet. Jeanette was probably like, there's no way. He's going to be like, nah, never mind. But nope, he was like, okay, <laughs> sure, let's do this. And he's regretted it for 800 years. So we start out with people around a sun lamp with their like fingers outstretched towards the sun lamp. Ooh, and I feel like the it's orb. The orb. <laughs> yeah, they are contemplating the orb. And I feel like it's important to note that this is pre-Heaven's Gate mass suicide. So... Heaven's Gate's around, obviously. It's been around since the 70s. But this is, I mean, we had Jonestown in 78, but we haven't had like a major cult event anytime around this episode. Right. I just felt like putting that out there because I feel like Heaven's Gate was such a huge media thing. It feels like this would be a reaction to that, but it's not. They're just like, well, I don't know. How about um, a cult? Let's put Nick in a cult, see what happens. And as they are around the sun lamp, we are cutting in between that and someone in the basement. And they turn off a breaker. They get out a metal step stool. They're working on some electrical cable with cords. Somebody brings down a mop bucket, spills the mop bucket. It surrounds the metal stool. And then they use a wooden handle of the mop to flick back on the breaker. And I have problems with this premise. <laughs> Please break it down for us. We had to watch this to begin times. with. Yes. I will say it's fine. Like I'll suspend my disbelief. Whatever, but there are like, <laughs> if they'd had somebody who knows how electricity works view this view the script and give feedback on how you could actually kill somebody with like residential electricity or yep. whatever, uh, like city electricity, um, there would there would be a number of changes. Uh, one, he's wearing rubber shoes. Mm -hmm. So the electricity wouldn't go through the ladder into his body, regardless of if he's holding them. Okay, the wires. Yeah. The the way a circuit breaker works is when there's too much current flowing through the breaker, it charges up an electromagnet, and that's what closes the breaker. So if enough electricity was going through him to kill him, it would be more than enough electricity to trip the, trip breaker. the breaker. Yeah. And... 
Yeah, uh, I took a closer look at the breaker, and it looks like it's a double breaker, so it's probably 220 volts. But 220 volts still isn't uh, yeah. isn't uh, enough to I kill think they were times. playing on the lowest common denominator of electrical issues. There was water. There was a metal ladder. There was a guy working on it with metal tools, and the electricity was on. And everyone's like, "Oh shit, it's enough. It's right. fine." But it for already me, looks. I was like, like okay, "Oh so no!" Here's, here's my more plausible situation where okay. you could All right. kill somebody is a high voltage transformer ah, like you get in fluorescent lights. Like we did in dead air when we chucked the guy on the transformer and he electrocuted. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking just like fluorescent tube lights mm-hmm. have a high voltage transformer in them and it's extremely low amperage, but it's high voltage. High voltage is what goes through the body. Yeah. And amperage is what does the damage. So you could have had something where he's working on a high voltage transformer that's throwing out a bunch of power and he's touching, even if you're not touching it, as long as the electrical leads are close enough to arc, then it could kill him. So I'm going to retcon this scene in my mind that he's working on a high voltage transformer and that's why the electricity killed him. All right. That's how that happened. And then we get the intro music. Yeah, that was our opening oh, our opening murder. I was going to say our opening electrocution. But our opening crime. Our opening crime. And then we cut to the intro. And then we cut back. And it has been two weeks since this murder. And it's been two weeks since anyone's heard from Nick. Uh-oh. Because Nick went, he went street. Deep undercover. He went street. Again, this is our second undercover moment. Do you think he went in the same shirt full with bullet holes and was like, I got shot and I need somebody to cleanse me with light? <laughs> How did he- I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up in his same undercover clothes. I would pay actual money to know how he got in this cult. I want to see the, the moment where he walked in and was like, um, I want to kill people all the time. And I believe that I am a vampire. <laughs> that would work too. <laughs> I know that we don't talk about what was ha- what got him in here. Right. What was the hook that got what him into the, the cult? Yeah. Well, I think it was fairly open access. Up until like well, new, it was new immediately after in. the murder, so they would have been highly suspicious of anybody joining immediately after the murder. Yeah, I guess he'd have to justify. I mean, he could have hypnotized his way in. But still, I want to know what was the story he told. I just wanted to... <laughs> It's like, I have And memories. he'd have to have like a psychiatric path history. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I'm 800 years old. Oh, shit, man. Yeah, come on. Punch that ticket. Let's get you in here. But I believe he... I have done unspeakable things. <laughs> I believe and have done. In my 800 done. years yes. as a vampire. <laughs> Uh, but apparently he's taken two weeks because he's trying to get into the inner circle. And the inner circle is, as Skanky describes it, tighter than Roseanne's underwear. <laughs> Woo! Woo! That's a dated reference. <laughs> wow. It's only topped by his Lorena Bobbitt comment in Capital Offense, mm-hmm. which I didn't talk about in the episode. 
but I think it's time for everybody to take a pause and reevaluate the women that we villainized in the 90s, such as Lorena Bobbitt and Monica Lewinsky, and really rethink with 2023 sensibilities about who was the actual victim in those circumstances. Right. We're not going to talk about it because this is a Forever Night podcast, but I highly encourage everyone to go back and think a little bit harder about who was the bad guy in those. Oh, but the guy who got fried, the bad guy, uh, not the bad guy, the guy who got fried, the the fried guy, the barbecue guy. Yeah, it was named uh, Vincent Cardelli and his dad is a councilman. For the city. For the city or whatever. So he's a son of an influential man. So solving this case is very Who's on the, he's on the part of the city council that pays for the police. Right. So the police have a financial interest. In getting this solved. Yeah. In satisfying his requests. Right. And so Cohen is on Skanky's case because Nick's not there to yell at. And she doesn't yell at Nick anyway because he's the hot one. And so she's like, um, Skanky, what's happening? I need some kind of an update. And Skanky's like, would love to know, have no fucking idea. Nick's deep. He's, he's What do you mean you haven't heard from him? He's real, real deep. And he is incommunicado. He's not talking to me. He's not talking to you. I don't know. I can only hope he's working really hard to solve this case. So that's where we leave it because... uh Nobody knows anything. And we go back to the cult. And the cult leader is ranting. And he's ranting about how they are not ranting. It's a it's a sedate thing. Yeah, it's a coherent narrative. Pontificating is a very good word for it. But how they are all scientists and their heart are their laboratory. Laboratory. However you want to say that. Um, and I thought this was really interesting because the term scientist actually has a very interesting history. Ooh. So the word scientist is a created word because previously the term was man of science. Okay. And so in the 1830s-ish, science became less of a generalized and more of a specialized profession. So previously everybody was like Natalie and they literally did everything. Right. And now it was more like real life where you had a coroner and ballistics and forensics and Right. With more specialization. They needed a you, new term. Right. And so they came up with the term scientist to be an analog for the word artist. Ooh. So you are like an that. artist or you are a scientist. And it was adapted pretty readily in the US. But there was a lot of resistance in like England. Because they considered the term too broad and too easy to use as a way of uh, like a blank check. Oh, gotcha. I am a scientist. So they were concerned it would be used by charlatans to gain credibility, which is exactly Exactly what what Matthew is doing. And it wasn't until like the 1920s that scientists, they literally had a debate about it. They had an entire magazine where the entire, the whole topic was. Can we use the word scientist in, um, like, legit publications? Gotcha. Because man of science is no longer applicable because we have women in science now. Mm -hmm. So scientist really is the best term. It's already being used in the U.S. as, like, it's it's a done thing. Right, as someone who applies the scientific method. 
And so they ended up adopting it, but not till like the 1920s. So the science scientist is a relatively new term and it's a created term. And they, the objections to it are exactly the way that Matthew is using it, which I thought was really interesting Yeah, by saying like, well, we're all scientists. We're, we're all studying ourselves and studying life and, you know, you, you have the power to heal yourself inside you, but you need to tap into it kind of a thing. And so I love that Nick is in a sun-worshipping cult because as he's pontificating about the healing light and the value of letting light enter you and cleanse you or whatever, we kind of pan over and pan up. And to a flashback. No, and there's Nick. Oh, night. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nick is just standing there. And my opinion is that in this entire episode, Nick is pulling a dance by the light of the moon where he is undercover as a persona that he has created. And he's so deep in it, he literally, it just becomes that person. Yeah. Like in Dance by the Light of Moon when he was the asshole and he was angry at everybody. Right. And it was really to get on Anne Foley's side. But it's it's like a method acting. Well, if you think about it, he's very, very good at switching lives. So he's very, very good at just dropping this life he has practice and, in completely shifting his persona. right and so for him this is business as usual he's that's, always masking anyway yeah so that's why he's not keeping up with natalie and skanky because it's kind of like well i wouldn't i'm i'm in it i'm in this life now and when i'm in that life i'll be in that life but right now i'm in this life so he's not thinking of it like a human would, where you have to maintain connections even after you've moved on mm-hmm. he's thinking of it more like as a vampire would like, I'm, I'm here now, so quit fucking talking to me. We're done. I'm not Nick Knight right now. I'm Nick Corrigan. And then we get our flashback. And I hate this flashback. I don't hate it with the same bewildered what-the-fuckness as the one where Lacroix kills his father in effigy. <laughs> but I just don't like it. I think because I don't like seeing Nick hurt that way. And also, like, I love LaCroix very much, but sometimes I am very done with the ha 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 LaCroix wins again. Look how he fucked with Nicholas this time. Right. It's it's a gag that's kind of running. And out. this one just feels cruel. Sometimes it feels like he's trying to teach Nicholas a lesson. Or testing Nick. Or testing him or whatever in a way that feels like, a bad parent, but someone who's attempting to be a bad parent. Right. This just feels like frat boy bullshit. Hazing. Hazing. Like, I bet this guy, this dude that I've known for a while, I bet him that we could get you to bring your best friend over here so we could kill her, and you did. <laughs> well, except on LaCroix's side, LaCroix bet that Nick wouldn't do it. Yeah. And that's why LaCroix had to pay the other guy. Right. So... LaCroix was kind of betting on Nick. Yeah. He was betting on Nick being wise to the trick, which he might have been were it LaCroix. Right. But this was somebody different. And so the fact that LaCroix just like got somebody else to be the LaCroix in that moment, I don't know. I just, this is one of my least favorite flashbacks. So this is all we're going to talk about it (laughs) because 
I mean, that's basically it. This guy says there's a cure, but they have to translate this paper. Can you please get your friend who's famous for being able to translate this shit over here? And Nick's like, two thumbs up, definitely bringing her. And so he gets his buddy, his girl lady archaeologist to come. And the guy's like, can you go get us a cup of tea? And by the time he comes back with the tea, dude's killed her. LaCroix is there in like native dress for some reason. <laughs> nice headgear, LaCroix. And then they like laugh at him. Which and that's the end. Isn't he from Egypt? No, he's Roman. There was a scene with him in a tomb. Oh, wasn't that his daughter or something? We will not discuss this. Okay. We, will not, dis- free life. we will not discuss this. Okay. I can't do Divya right now. Um,. <clears throat> guy in this the only notable thing is that the guy who plays the the second bad vampire not laquat thomas uh, thomas is the boyfriend from last act and that's about it and i had thought uh imd credits imdb credits the lady from love you to death as being in this episode but i don't think she actually is because i love you to death which one was that that's the one with the ballerina the season finale of of season one She's not in it. IMDb says she is, but she's not. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking through the cult members, and Mm-mm. there's only, like, the one woman, Holly. Unless she's in it for, like, a second. Right. I don't think she's in it. IMDb, get your shit together. Well, they may just be working on the published cast list. Yeah, that's true. But when we're talking to Nick, or when we're talking to Skanky, sorry, when we're talking to Skanky, he's talking to Natalie because Natalie shows up and she's like, oh, it looks like the reduction of paperwork act has passed you by. And he's like, I don't want to talk. He's not amused. Skanky's like, right. I'm not I'm not talking about this right now. I'm she's not in like, a bantery mood right now. Right. Because Nick has ditched me. Yeah. She's like, sun cult. so how's the Nick thing going? And he's like, I don't fucking know, Natalie. Which, surprising that Natalie... Was out of the loop for two weeks. For two weeks. Well, she thought he was undercover and checking in as usual, just not checking in with her. Right. But it turns out he's not checking in at all. And so she's like, hang on, you mean you haven't talked to him? And he's like, did I fucking stutter? He is incommunicado. It wasn't this Nick's case? Don't ask. So where is he? We can only guess at this point. You mean he hasn't contacted you? Nope. What do you mean, nope? I mean, he hasn't called. No Oblamas Telefono. As in, the party you were trying to reach has traveled outside the service area. Yeah, but you guys had a conference call scheduled with Cohen for this afternoon. You're not listening, Natalie. He is completely incommunicado. Don't you think that's a little weird? Weird is BAU, business as usual for Nick. Look, at he probably just can't get a look. Right, and he says he goes, about five different no ways. No Oblamas Telefono. He is not talking to us. And she's like, don't you think that's a little weird? And he's like... Uh, Nick's weird. <laughs> like, it's not weird for Nick. No, I don't think it's that weird. Skanky has the most faith about Nick in this whole episode. Except for Jeanette. Except for Jeanette. But Jeanette's just like, who fuck? It's not going to kill him. Who cares? If he's in it for five years and then pops out, what's that to me? I don't fucking care. <laughs> she does not care. Um, that's why she has faith. Because she literally doesn't. It doesn't matter to her whether he's in it or not. Um, but Skanky is the one that's like, I think we just need to give him more time. Yes, I'm upset. Yes, I'm frustrated he's not checking in. But I am hoping it's because he is so deep in there and doing such a good job, he doesn't want to blow his cover. Right. Whereas literally everyone else is like, 
That's it. Right. If We've you lost trust him. that Nick is actually making progress, then the fact that he doesn't have wiggle room yeah. to get a message out means he's so deep in it that they're just constantly watching him to vet him. Yeah. Which is a good place to be right. for the undercover cop. Yeah. It's fine. And Natalie's like, are you, are you worried? And she, he's like, no, <laughs> they sit around and like, look at sun lamps and shit. I don't care. He's going to be fine. What are they going to do? Force feed him cyanide, which is a Jonestown reference. Um, which actually in Jonestown, they did not drink Kool-Aid. So the phrase drinking the Kool-Aid is inaccurate. They drink flavor aid, the bargain brand version. <laughs> drinking the flavor aid. <laughs> drinking the flavor aid just doesn't have the same ring to it. And I know we're not going to talk about the flashback, but I feel like we should pause for a minute and talk about how good Garrett Wynn Davies is with different accents. Because he has to have a yes. British accent in this flashback. But he is Welsh. Right. But I just, he does a good job slipping in and out of different accents yeah. to the point that sometimes he does it in Nick Knight conversation. And it's not noted. It just He just does it. Probably the same way when I'm even the slightest bit tipsy. I speak Spanish. <laughs> Not well. I don't want anybody to think I do that well. Just, I don't know why, but yeah, it just on happens. The, the last cruise we no, were on. No, we're not going to. No, no, I don't need you to dox me like that. You're just gonna, I'm moving on. So um, the cult guy is still going on about the cleansing power of light. And uh, this lady runs in, Holly. And she's like, oh, my God, David's got a gun. And so they go, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And so they go to see David, who's in, like, the mess hall. And he and gets And here's this. where we see the charismatic power of the leader of yes, this group. Yes, because he's got to talk him down because this guy wants to kill himself because his dad came today and he doesn't believe in anything that he's trying to do and he's trying to get him to quit and he told him this was all stupid and he just wants him to go home and nothing he ever does is worth anything. And <laughs> I'm sorry, are we talking about Laquan Nick or are we talking about this guy? <laughs> it's, Nick's just standing there like, oh my God, that could be me. <laughs> I totally feel that my dad is just like that. And Matthew is like, no, listen. We've rendered the past inoperative. We're all friends here. We're all working together. And you can see how they're building this framework for us of this is You're part of a new family now. This is definitely a cult that Nick could get behind. Because yes. they're all like, we can do this together. We can cleanse ourselves and be better. We can let go of our past. We can be different people. It doesn't matter what happened to us in the past. It doesn't matter what kind of stuff we did. We can leave all that behind us and we can move forward as something new and better. And Nick's like, you are speaking my love language. <laughs> <laughs> You sound like my father. You sound like my, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's ironic that this supportive message comes couched in liars. <laughs> this dude's a liar because that David guy is the same one that later is his like henchman. Yeah. So this is clearly a staged Oh, it's all just scene. staged. Gotcha. Yeah. 
to show Matthew talking somebody down from the edge because everyone's like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. Look how good he did. It's a miracle. Which later Nick shows how to shows him how to do it for real. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic that in the present, he's hearing all of these messages and they're all lies. Mm -hmm. And in the past, it was the same thing. Right. The only reason he bought in to the Thomas's lies is because that's what he wanted to hear. And it's the same thing in this cult. Fool me once. Fool me twice. Fool me three times. Fool me four times. <laughs> Just keep on fooling me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's finally Nick's turn to get cleansed because they're in the cleansing room with the cleansing couch having a cleansing meeting with the cleansing stickers <laughs> with the cleansing stickers and he's like nick it's your turn and so nick comes and lays on the couch and they put the sticker on his forehead which he has this whole pay he has like a pack like a plastic pack yeah. of stickers sitting next to nick's head and <laughs> did you order those in bulk on ebay <laughs> the reflective stickers and he puts the sticker on his head and then we go through this whole like visualize the sun visualize it coming into you and cleansing you and nick's like oh, oh God. he just keeps having flashbacks <laughs> yeah. to the times that he's gotten caught in the sunlight yeah he's like i don't like ow ow, ow. ah shit and then he ends up vamping out which is interesting this him vamping out kind of implies to the viewer that he's actually in on this Right. Well, I think that's what we're supposed to be getting the entire time. Did you feel right. that way? You had never seen this it was, episode. It was ambiguous to me about okay. whether he was pretending the whole time or whether he was actually getting caught up in and it. And I think that's what it's supposed to be. Right. Same as in the dance with the light and the moon where we're supposed to be left with, is he doing this on purpose or is this part of a bigger game? Right. This, this is probably what tipped him off that there's medication yeah. On the sticker. Right. Because he said it made him queasy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Whatever effect it had on him probably made him vamp out. Yeah. And we go back with Skanky for a little while because Skanky is getting all the flack because nobody can yell at Nick. So everybody's yelling at Skanky. And they're a team. And this is counsel Team, 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 team. <laughs> but it's counselor, the councilman whose son died. Yes. Ardelli and Cohen. And they're both like, so what's Nick doing? And Skanky's like, I don't know. And they're like, is he solving the case? And Skanky's like, I certainly hope so. I believe he is. I believe he is. And he gets this parting shot. Cardelli, the councilman, gets this parting shot of, at least one of you is doing your job. Like, well, Nick's the one who disappeared into a cult. And Skanky's the one who's out here still pounding the pavement. So right. who is doing their job here right now? I don't know why Skanky is getting so much flack for this. It right. is not his fault what Nick is up to. Except if Nick's deep undercover, there's an expectation that he kind of get a message out once in a while. Yeah, on Nick's part. To at least one person, which if there's any one person that he would get a message out to, it would be his partner. And... Yeah, but it's not Skanky's fault that Nick isn't contacting him. Right. It's Nick's fault, but the the department would expect that Skanky would be receiving updates. Yeah. And they're angry that Skanky is not receiving updates. 
Yeah. So they kind of, they have to express that somehow, but. Right. Uh, I guess. But that, yeah, that's like, scene don't shoot of, the messenger. Right. I think it's because it, it's got to go somewhere and Skanky's a target. Yeah. And Nick is not. Um, but that scene with Skanky getting yelled at is sort of interspersed with the cleansing scene that's going on back at the cult headquarters. And so he's like, visualize what you want to be rid of. Like, visualize what you want cleansed out of your life. And you just start seeing flashes of LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> and it cuts back and forth really rapidly. And this builds up to his, like, sit-up vamp out. And yeah. he, he has the whole, like, glowing eyes. And <laughs> we were watching it in the living room. My son happened to look up right when that scene came on. And he goes, well, that's freaky. <laughs> I bust out laughing because the orange eyes get me every single right. time. And like keeping his mouth in that snarl. <laughs> like just close your lips, let, dude. Let it hide go. the fangs. Just let it go. You know, they had to. They had to linger. Right. It was fine. But like the orange eyes are never quite centered. And when he looks around, they look really weird. Yeah. And so it's just not my favorite. It's not my favorite vamp makeup. <laughs> um, but it's nice to know my seven-year-old thought it was freaky. And the next scene is Nick is stirring this pot and it's this giant ass soup pot and he's just standing there. I thought it was laundry. Oh, you thought it was laundry. I thought he was stirring a big vat of laundry. No. For like an industrial machine or something. No, he's stirring like soup or something, but it's really low. It's dinner. And it's huge. And he's just stirring it and Skanky gets in. I don't know how Skanky gets in there. Because the doors are locked. Because Natalie can't get in when she comes. But he just... He goes street. He must go street. He gets in through the sewers. He takes, <laughs> he, takes a, he takes a page out of Nick's playbook. But he gets in and he's like, Oh, Nick, I'm so glad to see you. And Nick's just standing there. and he Unresponsive. Just, he keeps trying to get Nick to respond. And Nick's just stirring the spot. And he's finally he does look at him and he's like, Oh, hi, Skanky. And he's like, Oh, dude, are you okay? And Nick's like... I'm fine, Skanky. <laughs> and Skanky is literally like, well, I need, how's it going? Like, I need an update. I need something. Like, I haven't heard from you. What's going on? He's like, tell them I'm here and I'm not leaving and don't come back. Nick, what's with you? You look real wiped. I'm fine. And? What do I tell the boss? Tell them I'm staying here. You're staying. Don't come back. And then go he, away and never come back. Except just like Smeagol. But very blandly, like, and don't come back. And then he just turns and walks away. So I guess that that stew is gonna burn because nobody's there now to stir it. Yeah. I don't know. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. And then we cut to Matthew. And Matthew, the evil cult leader, not Matthew, the podcast co-host is like i want you to no new members until after this cardelli thing settles down and i want you to look into nicholas corrigan anything you can find anything you can find because he's told me some disturbing things some (sighs) very disturbing things which we don't ever find out what that is right what did he tell him i'm an 800 year old vampire i have millions of dollars and he was like tell me more about the money (laughs) say that again I think when Skanky talks to Nick and mm-hmm. tells him to tell Cohen that he's staying there, he is a hundred percent fucking with Skanky. 
<laughs> this whole stirring the soup pot and the yeah. like. Yeah, thousand eye. Yeah, thousand so, yard stare. Thousand yard stare. Totally not just absolutely acting like he's been taken in by the cult. I 100% believe he's just fucking And afterward he's like, I got you, skanky. <laughs> <laughs> Except not. But yeah, I really think he's just like, oh, this is a good one. I'm here. Like I'm. I'm accomplishing my task. I so right. I, I have a few minutes I, to fuck I can't with resist. I can't resist. Skanky snuck in here for this. I'm going to give him a good show. <laughs> Is it a good joke for both parties? No. Did Nick probably have a little chuckle about it later? Absolutely. Absolutely. With Natalie. With yeah, maybe with as Natalie. she relates it to Natalie, or as he relates it to Natalie. It's probably like yeah. Oh, I really got him good that time. And we get a lot of Skanky and Natalie bonding in this episode. Because we yes. don't have any Nick in between. And so Genki immediately goes to Natalie and he's like, I am really worried about Nick. He had like, he just, he looked like he joined a cult. <laughs> I'm right. just really worried about it. And Natalie's like, well, you know, maybe he's just like really deep undercover. And he's like, you don't understand Natalie. He was like a zombie. And Natalie it's goes. Like Nick of the living dead. Yeah. And Natalie goes, close. <laughs> He was stirring the soup. It was indescribable. It was just so weird. I mean, you should have seen the way he looked at me. How? The, the thousand-yard stare. Nick Knight of the Living Dead. I got the distinct feeling he was not happy to see me. And so Natalie acts nonchalant, but she does end up going to the Raven. Because if we have a sage, it is Jeanette. It is not... LaCroix. No. No. It is Jeanette. And everybody goes to Jeanette for wisdom. And so Natalie's like, there's only one possible place I can go to learn more about Nick, and that's to his former wife. And so he goes. she goes to see Jeanette at the Raven. And we get a little bit of recycled footage of the Raven. We get a clip from um, Bad Blood. And we get a yes. couple. Yeah. Yeah, of people dancing right. to and the music. Right, and then Natalie yeah. walks into what is very obviously our back room set, because outside the door there's nothing. It's just a blue light with smoke going mm -hmm. by it. And there's a guy in there giving Jeanette a tattoo. And this <laughs> rose looks straight up like a vulva. <laughs> yep. It, 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 it's the most vaginal rose I have seen they were banking so hard on those crt tvs hiding that detail. hiding that detail and i loved matt's initial what like jeanette's getting a tattoo what and so she dis dismisses the guy who he's like well he's like, you can finish it tomorrow because but i'll have to start all over it'll be gone tomorrow and she's like that's half the fun <laughs> just go. but he's just sitting there holding it still yeah he's not he's even kind pretending of wafting it it was like yeah. on, in soldier when they were getting the tattoo on their cheek it's the same thing they're just kind of and you hear like a faint buzzing sound so right just, and it's wafting in there or direction. um it, here's what it reminded me of the scene where natalie has the scalpel up yes. by the camera and she's cutting just chicken wiggling it yes yeah yeah well, we haven't seen grace in a while no we haven't no but Natalie shows up, and Jeanette's like, oh, hey, Natalie. And Natalie's like, I have a question about Nick. And she's like, oh. I thought maybe we'd have some girl talk. I thought maybe someone was actually here to just talk to me, like to have a conversation with Hi, me. Hi, I'm a person too. Hi, I'm not just a font of random information. And Natalie's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So um, 
how vulnerable is Nick to love? And Jeanette's like, ooh. Ooh. Like, <laughs> okay. Oh, Maybe I'm interested in this conversation. All right, let's have this one. And she's like, no, no, I mean to being loved. Like, I think he might have joined a cult. And I love Jeanette's response. She goes, Nicola, in a cult. The word ironic comes to mind. <laughs> She's just like. Hmm. Nicola in a cult. Somehow the word ironic comes to mind. We're worried about it. That tracks. That's fine. I need no notes. <laughs> um, Jeanette is wildly unconcerned because the time that he spends in the cult to her is meaningless. The only thing that would matter is if he was in any kind of physical danger, and he's not. And so Natalie is like, well, I'm really worried about it. I'm really worried that he's joined them, like he's part of their group. And she's like, well, if he's a part of the group, then he's leading it. So just let it go. He's a vampire. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a pack, he's the wolf, and they are poodles. And Natalie's like, this went exactly how I thought it was going to go. So... Thank you so much. I am really reassured, Jeanette. And Jeanette's like, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> She's done. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. No. She could get in there and talk to him if she wanted to, but why? He'll come out, then he'll find her, and everything will be the same again. Right. If anything, maybe getting brainwashed by the cult will break him out of this nonsense detective life that he's constructed for himself, and they can go have fun again. Right. Exactly. So who cares? And then we get our hint that like Vincent Cardelli had a trust fund that was willed to Matthew. Yes. And so maybe the motivation here <gasps> is money. And uh -oh. Skanky's like, oh no, Nick's the only poor guy there. You thought. You thought. So then Psych. we get, then we see Matthew coming in to talk to Nick. And he sort of steers the conversation around to, well, you know, we do operate at a loss. And Nick's like, oh, I, I, I'm in a position to help you. I can give you some money. And he's like, I don't want your car or your house or your, like, your savings or anything, Nick. We, we can talk about it later. We can talk about it later. And Nick says, if I didn't trust you, I wouldn't have offered. Ooh. Ooh. You're like, Way oh. to sell it, Nick. Oh, shit. Maybe he has fallen for this. So I think that the overall theme of this episode are the things that you desire most are what make you the most vulnerable. And I think that's why this feels believable that Nick would join this. Right. Because this is what he desires. They're, they are using all of the buzzwords. If you just replace sunlight with humanity, like he wants to be human. He wants to be cleansed. He wants his past to no longer matter. He wants to be able to move forward, like, new and fresh. So it's believable he would join this. It's believable he would give them money. Yeah, especially considering, per the flashbacks, how much effort he has invested in trying to find a cure. Yeah. He breaks into, like, a crypts in uh, Germany. Yeah, and we, the war, we haven't the even war, seen and... half of his ventures yet. Right. Yeah, so... There's so much more to go here. And I think we also need to talk about how good Garrett Wynn Davies is at 
different personas. Because, like, right here, he comes and talks to Holly. We get, like, seeing the mop bucket and seeing the mop bucket drive up to Holly. And then they take the mop out, a very dry mop, by the way, and th- slap this dry mop down on the ground. And Holly looks over, and it's ah! it's Nick. Right. But it doesn't look like Nick. Right. He has this, like... Innocent face. Very... Um, shallow, happy face. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I scare you? Did I? I'm, I'm so sorry. And she's like, oh, no, you're fine. And she tells him, like, you're going to love it here. You know, two months ago, I was a mess. I was so close to losing it. My marriage was falling apart. My kids were really tough. And he's like, oh, you have kids? She goes, yeah, two little girls. And he's like, oh, great. Where are they? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh okay. That's I'm going to get back to mopping. All right. But in that moment, he doesn't look like Nick. Right. And I think that's important to note because later when he turns back into Nick, when the charade is over, it's a very clear delineation and he doesn't really have to say anything. It's just how he holds his face. Yeah. Then Natalie reveals that the toxicology has come back on Cardelli and there is a hallucinogen that they found in his blood. Yeah, there's some psychoactive agent. And it's habit-forming, and it's not normally prescribed, but it was in his bloodstream, and he was not prescribed it. So how did it get there? And Skanky updates her on his side, because they're kind of in this together. They're reassuring each other that Nick's going to be okay, and he's going to get out of this. Um, Because he's going to check Nick's bank account and make sure that nothing hinky right, is he's, going on. He's looked into the finances of the core group. Yeah already but like okay if nick is actually falling for it they might try to get some money out of him right okay so let's check nick's bank accounts so that we can find out like does nick actually have enough money to make it worthwhile for them to prey on him yeah exactly uh so i'm just gonna just gonna, I'm going to have Cohen pull that. It'll be fine. And so he goes to talk to Cohen and she's like, you, I'm sorry, you want to look at his bank account because why? And Skanky goes, well, I'm a little concerned. And Cohen says, well, I'm a little ticked, ticked off. off. You think he what? Well, he's, uh, he's, uh, well, we're a little, a little concerned is a good word. And I'm a little, let's see, ticked off is a good word. We sent him in there to find a murderer, not religion. Because we sent him to find a murderer, not find religion. And he's like, well, you know, he he's um he's probably fine. And she's like, well, how well do you know your partner? And he does this thing where first he has his fingers crossed, and then he does like a peace symbol. And then he just takes both hands and holds them apart. And he's like, we're this close. <laughs> like, I don't know about him at all. About shoulder width apart. Yeah, about shoulder width apart. I, I, don't, I don't know him at all, actually. And, but I'm concerned. So can we just check his bank account? She's like, okay, well, he's going under Nicholas Corrigan, right? And he's like, yeah, can you go ahead and check Nick Knight, too, just to, just to make sure nothing weird's going on there? And this is when Natalie attempts to break into the cult. Because despite Jeanette's really, really heartfelt reassurances, she doesn't think that Nick's going to get out of this. So she tries to break into the cult by pretending to also have issues and to need support. And and she appeals to Holly. She appeals so to Holly because Holly just like in Capital Offense, um, Natalie pegs her for a sucker, which she yep. is a little bit. Yeah. She's sincere. She's not lying in the way 
that the lady was in capital offense, but Natalie is. So. Right. Yep. She said she sees Holly as the true believer. And we've been right. working really hard throughout this whole episode to set Holly up as our true believer. Right. And and we've been working hard to set up Matthew as the bad guy. Yeah. Who's conniving and whatever. And and we really reinforce that when Holly leaves and Natalie immediately calls Skanky. Yeah. And Matthew's watching Natalie on the camera. Right. The camera that is hidden inside every light light that's hanging on the wall or something. Anyway, now David, now Matthew knows for sure that Natalie's here just to spy. And Natalie has revealed that Nick is also there just to get information. Right. You can't con a con man. It's hard. And Matthew is on to Natalie immediately and but prior to this and we cannot skip it because it's one of the best scenes in season two is when skanky gets nick's bank account information (laughs) and it does the like boom boom and we zoom in closer and closer and finally john capelos does the like eyes wide thing and he goes you son of a And then it cuts before we get to the, the last word. Because we find because out Nick, Nick actually is loaded. has a bunch of money. <laughs> We're going to have a whole episode about it. But Nick has a lot of money. And what Skanky is seeing is his checking account, which has $1.2 million in it. Right. And I think that part is so funny. The, oh my God, he has that much money. And he's probably thinking he's never bought me a meal. He's never gone bowling with me. He's never done any of this stuff. He gone. made me pay to have his car repaired after yeah. I trashed it. <laughs> There's probably a lot that goes through his mind in that moment. I just love that moment. And then this is, but then we go back to the cult. And this is when we see him talking to Barton. Who is the guy that he had that he set that scene David. with earlier? Yeah. David, yeah. And David is in his room and he's all covered in patches. And this reminded me of did you ever watch Absolutely Fabulous? No. Okay, Absolutely Fabulous is a hysterical British situational comedy. And there's two characters, and one of them is Patsy. And Patsy has this giant beehive, and she smokes constantly. And so there's an episode where she's trying to quit smoking, and she has patches all up her arm. Yeah. Like nicotine patches. And the one lady whose name is Saffron, who's the the sensible daughter of the one character, is like, oh, my God, they're not working. They're recharging. <laughs> they're pulling nicotine out of her instead of putting it in. And that's what it reminds me when he has, like, the patches overlapped yeah. on him. Yeah. Anyway, Absolutely Fabulous is really funny. It's not sci-fi, fantasy, or horror, but it's funny. So, anyway, David's high as a kite. I'm getting there. Yeah, I know. And he's going after Natalie. So he gets his gun out of the drawer, the one that he had earlier that supposedly got taken from him. And while Natalie is providing this very convenient distraction, Nick sneaks into Matthew's office to get to get the tape of his cleansing. Mm-hmm. And he opens the TV armoire to find the CCTV that he right. uses to watch everybody. Right, I think he only grabbed his tape as a 
as a potential excuse for why he was in there looking at the also, TV. Also, he vamped out on his tape. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, and he may have said stuff because he was drugged up. Right. So even if it just made him queasy, he could have accidentally let things slip that he doesn't want that entered into evidence. So he grabs it. So is this yet another person that knows Nick is a vampire? <laughs> I don't think so because he calls him detective. Right. Because this is when Matthew comes back into his office. And first Nick's back is to us because he's watching the TV. And then uh, Matthew says, like, what are you doing in here, Nicholas? Or should I say detective? And this is when Nick turns and he's Nick again. And it's right. a he's very changed the mask obvious back. switch, a very obvious remasking as Nick Knight. And it's really well done. Because we don't have to, in that moment, it's all, oh, okay, this was all an act. Right, that's all it takes for him to convey that, oh, the act's up, I'm, yeah, I'm it not was pretending always to an be act and I'm Corrigan anymore. This is the reveal, that Nick was Nick all along, and Barton is going to shoot Natalie, which feels like something Nick should intervene on, but Nick's like, fine, Natalie's got this. She knew what she was getting into when she broke into, I guess. Or he doesn't know because she's way over in the reception. But right. Holly saves her. Holly hits yep. Barton on the back of the head and gets the gun, and she's like, it's happening again. He's poisoned. He's going to poison Matthew. And then she runs off, and Skanky arrives. And, Skank and Natalie is in the reception area, tending to this unconscious guy and she's like there's a lady named holly with a 38 she's running around the building and she's really not happy and i have no fucking clue what's happening and skanky's like business as On usual it. thanks and he just dips to matthew's office but then she ends up before she opens the door she overhears nick revealing yeah the, about the patches yeah because he's like well, what are you gonna get me on being a cult leader, can't convict me for that. And he's like, how about administering drugs without permission? And he pulls the patch out of his pocket and sticks it back in his jacket pocket. And he's like, uh, you probably put psychotropics on there to ensure that everybody would have a psychic experience. You just goosed up the spiritual the spiritual aspect, right? And she hears him talking about this. So when and Holly she comes in... Goes, <gasps> yeah. So when Holly comes in, she points the gun at Matthew. And Nick has to talk her down. I owe Matthew everything. No, you don't. <laughs> no, Holly. He stole from you. Your money, your love, your ability to control your life. It's not your fault, Holly. I know it isn't. He saw you do anything to find hope and direction. That's when it happens. That's when we're weak enough to be deceived. And Nick's like, look, I get it. He exploited you when you were at your weakest. He told you what you wanted to hear and you bought it because you wanted to buy it because you wanted hope. And I totally get that. Right. And it's the like opposite narrative that Matthew has been telling people yeah. to get them into the cult. And he's like, you didn't need him. You didn't need him. He made you think you needed him, but you didn't. It was you all along. You've got this. And so she ends up giving the gun to Nick. Nick's hands it off to Skanky. And Skanky goes and handcuffs Matthew, who actually isn't 
I mean, he administered the drug without permission. Right, but, but Holly actually killed Holly is the, the actual murderer. And they handcuff Matthew, who, yes, is guilty of something. And but... Nick gives Holly a hug. Yeah. Which, I guess, technically, he's restraining her. Well, I think what we're going to do, what I would do, would be like, well, she was under the influence of medication that was administered to right. her without her permission. So the ultimate fault lies with there Matthew. There was psychological and pharmacological coercion. Yeah. And so Matthew is the one pulling the strings. Yeah. That would be the angle. The um, Who is the other not serial killer? Um, it keeps coming and going. Is it real one or in the episodes? No, real one. Um, who was the guy that um, got his followers to kill people? Oh, um, Marilyn Manson. Manson. Not Marilyn Manson. The other Manson. Oh, the other Manson. <laughs> Marilyn Manson's the singer. Singer, right. You know, I just watched a movie the other day with him in it. That's why. Um, we don't like him anymore, uh, anyway. though. He's canceled. Serial killer Manson. Charles? Charles Manson. Charlie Manson. He's not yeah. actually a serial killer. Right, he's killer. not actually a serial killer. He's a killer, cult leader, yes. But he was um, convicted. Yeah. Because, because of the... Because he gave them high doses of belladonna and then told them what to do. Right. Yeah. He, he gave them drugs and uh, psychologically manipulated them... Yeah. ...into committing these crimes. And it's basically... It's similar to the same thing. Matthew didn't tell Holly to... Um, kill people right but he reinforced he created a, the conditions an environment yes. where that was the, the, her only option right and that's the end of the cult that's the end of that which every time i saw them in their long sleeve blue polo shirts with the little lumen luminology like symbol on the breast yeah. i thought dang i need to make merch <laughs> <laughs> i would love to have a blue t-shirt with the little luminology sun on the pocket. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're you're uh, looking at Squarespace. Yeah. Yeah. To potentially uh, have when a store. I finally finish fixing the website, I'm going to put up a merch store. So that's coming. But in the meantime, we have to wrap up. We have to wrap up. They go to the loft for the wrap up. Um, for some reason, Natalie is taking his blood pressure. I, I don't know. She's Even checking him out. To he hasn't sure fed. Shh. Hold on. Nope. I I've just been realized. For you to ask this question. <laughs> what did he <laughs> consume for the two weeks? Drugs. Just straight drugs. Maybe that's what was in the pot he was stirring. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Did he... I don't know because Natalie's we don't see not any glass bottles. Anything. Natalie's not sneaking him anything because she hasn't had contact for two weeks. Skanky hasn't had contact for two weeks. Okay, so. This may be a bit of context that maybe they added on purpose. Mm. In the flashback, when he's meeting with Thomas, the other vampire. It travels well. It travels well. Yes. But they are so, always being filmed. They probably eat meals together. Yeah. Has he had to <laughs> eat? I was waiting for these questions. And I don't have a good answer for you, honey. I don't. Unless he was like, sorry, I'm a little sick. I have a liquid-only diet. It's called red wine, and I bottle it myself. But no one else can drink it. That's what my refrigerator is full of. <laughs> I'm having salad, fruit salad, fermented fruit salad, 
wine. I'm having wine for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ask any further questions. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, Did they then, have outings? Did they have group outings? Because everything at this cult appears to happen at night. Uh, or at think, least indoors. You'd think a cult, a cult that worshipped the sun would, would have, spend time in the sun. Would have a lot of sun-related things that they did besides just having these really cheesy-ass sun lamps on the wall, which make me really anxious, by the way. I could just imagine having all of those bright lights all around the wall at eye level all the time. Yeah, that would be distracting. Yep. And they run none of the cords through the wall. The cords right. dangling down below every single it's one of them. Because they didn't want to permanently modify the set. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably Maybe still... they're pull cords. <laughs> 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 they just look like cords. Except they're like taped to the wall. Because they're never off. He comes to visit Nicholas. Matthew comes to visit Nick. And Nick's laying down like sleeping supposedly. And every light on the wall is on. Yeah. How anxious would it make you if you were allergic to the sun and you were in a place that was like mimicking the sunlight at every time, every moment. And then you can't even eat. You're there for two weeks, which we've established he can't even go like two full days right? without eating something. Yeah. And I don't know what the minimum amount he can consume. Maybe that's why he's so spacey for half of it. <laughs> I don't know. He can eat. We've seen him eat. He ate right. in 1966. He just doesn't like to eat. Right. If he eats, does his body process it and he has to pass it? Or... We'll keep our eyes out for in future episodes. <laughs> I believe see if in he... a previous episode, I stated that Nick does not shit. And I'm, I stand by that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it with that. His shit doesn't stink? <laughs> no, he just doesn't at all. This doesn't happen. <laughs> I think I watched... One vampire movie where the vampire peed, and they yes, peed pure blood. That was the one with the guy from Babylon Five. Yes, demon under glass. And yes, yes. <laughs> God, <laughs> wow! And I'd cover that one, but I don't think you could find it anywhere. That was some. I don't even think it was made for TV. It was like an independently produced, never released. Yeah, that'd be hard to find. Yeah. Yeah, there wouldn't be. Yeah, much remember point they carry around it. an empty three ring binder the entire time, and it's yeah. the same empty three ring binder, and everyone who's supposed to be important in that moment is carrying it. Yeah, it had the guy from. Um, do you remember that television show? And it was about that white guy who went to the jungle on like, <laughs> like the Vietnam War. You remember that? And he became like the sentinel or something. He had heightened senses. Oh yeah! Wow. <laughs> He becomes friends with that one guy who, like, knows the lore and understands all the whatever. Um, he's in it. But, yeah, oh, my God, the Sentinel. Wow, memory unlocked. We're not done. We're not done. Okay, so Skanky, Skanky is at Nick the loft. hasn't even yes, sorry. talked about the money yet. We haven't talked about the money because Skanky's like, well, I guess if you're okay, then I don't matter anymore and I'm just going to leave and. No one's even going to notice I left. And Nick's like, oh, skanky, what is it? What do you want to talk about? And you know Nick is just happy to be back in a vest. Yeah. He came back home. He opened his closet. He saw the 57 vests that he had lined up. And he was just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And he put his vest back on. And Skanky's like, Nick, about your bank account. 
do you really have $1.2 million? Is that like a real thing? And Nick's like, oh, that was a courtesy of a friendly bank manager. And Skanky's like, oh, thank you. And Nick's like, yeah, he moved some money from my savings to my checking for me. I didn't want him. I didn't want uh, Matthew thinking I was, I didn't have any money to contribute. Right. And Skanky thinks he's joking. He's like, oh, Nick. Ha, ha, ha. Savings to checking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Ooh, you're so funny, I'm Nick. Gonna That's go great. Home. And then we have our wrap-up with Natalie, which she's like, oh, you better you better be glad he didn't see that blood pressure monitor. But like, Natalie, that's on you. Why'd you take his blood pressure? What are you blaming Nick for this? He, the- he probably did just con- feed a lot. Oh. And so he probably has blood in his body. Because <laughs> he hasn't for a while. Maybe that's why he looked tired. Because Skanky was like, well, you yeah. look really tired. And then we get our kind of sad line where they talk about the drug and Nick's like, yeah, it made me queasy, whatever. And Natalie's like, oh, cults, I just don't get it. And Nick's like, you know, they they do teach us stuff. Like they teach us simple truths. Like people that promise you everything probably want to take everything from you. And once they're done taking everything you have to give, you're nothing. Right. And Natalie's like, Oh, there's a backstory there. So she just walks over and pats his arm and she's like, you did good job, detective. And no one can take that away from you. And he's like, you'd think, I hope. And that's the end of the episode. And that's it. It's just like, yeah, you're right. Everyone who ever told me that they could help me was lying to me. Thank you, Natalie. Except for Natalie. Except for Natalie. Unless she's a little salty in this episode. Like when, uh, understandably, like when Skanky calls him a zombie and she's like, You're not wrong. Oof. Getting warm, Skanky. Oof. That that felt a little salty. Yeah. I don't know that we learned anything from this episode because it's the same. I don't know. I hope we mix the flashback up a little bit. The next episode is, uh, Undue Process. So, yeah, we mix it up a little. And I don't want anybody to question the fact that I knew the episodes in order just off the top of my head or that I knew what flashback was in undue process. She's been reviewing the list of episodes on Amazon. (laughs) I like undue process. Undue process is um, another one where we're going to try to be talking about something socially relevant. Which I always like it when they try to do that because it's like, oh, 90s. The 90s perspective. How are you going to try to teach me something today? Let's let's see what's happening here. This one didn't really try. I mean, maybe cults. Although in the early 90s, cults are like, I guess there's still cults. I'm not going to say there's not still right. cults. But it's not like the 70s where they were thick on the ground. Right. I think it was trying to show us that Nick has grown in what he will and will not um, believe. His bullshit detector's a little stronger now. Yeah, his his bullshit radar has uh, strengthened, it's upgraded, probably post Love You to Death, post Sylvain. Yeah. I have a feeling for Nick that was very much the last straw of, you can lie to me, but I'm done. Like, I'm done believing that you want what's best for me. I held on to that hope for 800 years. But eventually, he's going to learn. I mean, he is Nick the Brick. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's kind of endearing that he's not a jaded character. It feels like a very 90s character to me. If you plopped this character into a modern procedural drama, mm-hmm. they'd be the, like, naive idiot that everyone is always taking advantage of. 
And in this case, he still is naive, but he's not portrayed as an idiot. He's just portrayed as like terminally optimistic. Well, in like philosophical development stuff, they kind of, uh, there is a narrative that goes something like, at first you are naive. Mm -hmm. And then as part of growing up is you become more cynical. But then the next stage after that is that even though you know people will lie to you and hurt you, you still reach out and trust people anyway because that's how you have good relationships and make the world a better place. Right. If everybody was betrayed at some point and thought, oh, man, everybody's just going to lie and cheat and steal and whatever – and I'm going to treat them that way, then you end up in a bad situation. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the story about um, the nows and the laters. Mm -hmm. So if you became immortal, everyone in the world became immortal, effectively we would all split into two groups, the nows and the laters. The, right. I have all the time in the world, so I'm going to use every single minute possible to do everything I've ever wanted to do. And the, I have all the time in the world, so there's no rush. I'll do whatever. I'll get around to it later. I'll get around to it later. And so I think what you end up with is like, there are the people like me who don't believe the words that come out of anybody's mouth unless I know you. But if the entire world was like that, how uncomfortable would that experience be? Right. So we need people like you who definitely believe the best in everybody immediately. Ta-da! And you temper me, and I temper you, and I think it's a good fit. Yeah. But I could absolutely see you for 800 years <laughs> believing LaCroix's bullshit. <laughs> Just <laughs> internally warping everything that LaCroix has done. He, it's really for my own good. Maybe, everything that he's done. Maybe this time will be different. I can see maybe this time will be different would be on your t-shirt for 800 years. Yep. Like maybe this time he wants what's best for me. Tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not unbelievable that this type of character exists. Right. This type of character does not exist in 2023 media is what I'm saying. Right. Because we see this type of character as dumb. Except for Ted Lasso. I have heard. Yes. But in the, yes, right. But that is framed as a comedy. It yes. is not framed as a serious television show. In all, like, think about The Last of Us and Pedro Pascal's character in The Last of Us is a very world-wearied, negative, and yes, he gets the little girl who does temper him some, but it's like, okay, I'm capable of seeing things from your point of view, but I'm also still world-weary and aware of the fact that I'm probably being lied to all the time. Right. But his story arc right, because is that he does become a more, tr maybe not trusting, but at least right. more outgoing. Right, but... Person, our hero characters, his. our serious drama hero characters, like this done now, Nick isn't the same character. Right. Nick is far darker. Right. We have a lot more like internal scenes yeah. of 
just kind of the horror of his day-to-day life. Right. He's far darker. All of his pursuit of of mortality is couched in this, like, knowledge that it's probably futile, but he can't stop trying instead of, like, yeah, absolutely, I'll believe anybody who thinks that they can that they can cure me and I'm willing to give it a shot. It's more of like, I just have to keep believing that it's possible, but I don't actually think it'll ever happen. The only thing keeping me going day to day is the, is me bullshitting myself into believing that there is hope. Right. And so you're seeing, I think what we would see as a series would be more like that getting chipped away. Right. As opposed to, him just reaffirming continuously his belief that he can be better and that it's worth continuing to try because he could continue to get better. And I think that's why I like this show. That's why I like a lot of 90s media is the optimism. And we've talked about this a lot, but I think it's really important because we get stuck in this trap of I have to surround everything that I do in this cushion of I can back out at any time. I can tell people I can tell people I was joking. I can tell people I didn't really mean it, didn't really mean anything to me because then I, I don't have to expose myself to any kind of embarrassment or right. loss. Right. And I phrase everything sarcastically. Yes. So that if someone's like, Oh, you actually like this thing? It's right. like, no, I was just messing with your head. Right. And that's how we get grimdark. That's how we get a lot of like, I'm not going to talk about Picard, but um, you just see that optimism stripped away. Right. And you might see false optimism like, but it's always tempered with, but I'm still waiting for the other shoe to fall. Instead of uh, like Babylon 5 and Forever Night where you have the idealistic, we can have an idealistic and with 2023 lenses viewed as naive character and it's okay for them to be the hero and i love that yeah and that's why i'm here i think we'll just leave it at that do you want to talk about the instagram i guess i could talk about the instagram we have an instagram do follow it for lots of updates because stuff's going to be happening throughout june and july uh mostly throughout june and july announcements through june yeah new stuff happening happening in july So feel free to boogie on over and follow us. We have 200 followers. You're in good company. I think they're mostly people because they don't drop off. So yay. yay! Um, We also have a Patreon. I do keep the Patreon updated for free, but there is content that is available only to Patreons and soon to be more content available only to Patreons. So do hop over to Patreon and follow us on there. It's free, you can pay, or it's free, whatever. Um, Just go do it. I am working on the website. It's going to be great. It's going to be beautiful. I have high hopes that this time it won't break, and it won't take me like six months to get back around to fixing it. (laughs) If in the meantime you want to send us any recommendations, you can. You can email us at thehosts at strangeandbeautiful.club. Also, I finished putting every single one of our episodes up on YouTube. So if you Yay. like YouTube or if you have a friend who only likes YouTube, they can now listen to us on YouTube. And they're separated into playlists. Yes. On YouTube. There's a playlist for movie episodes. There's a playlist for book talks. And there's a playlist for Forever Night. Yep. So 
feel free to head on over there and check that out. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Give us five stars. Reviews. All <laughs> the things. So I think we'll just leave it there. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.